Hey, uh, before we get started, just wanted to set something up really quick. Uh, this episode has been more or less split in half after we went pretty long. So rather than drop an hour long recording into the feed, I figured we'd split it up and have part two in a couple weeks. And uh, that's totally not because we're already out of ideas in week three of no sports. Not, not that. So uh, here's the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Josh. I'm Matt. And this week, in our quest to find things to still talk about, we're going to reuse an idea that Evan had once and look at some former tech players and see what's going on with them now. Yeah. Yeah. Back in July of 2018, which seems like forever ago, Evan put something up on our blog about Colby Cameron and his journey through the X League in Japan and all the other stuff that went on with him and and where he is or I guess was at that point in 2018. And so we thought it'd be kind of cool to look at some tech players that either we remember City playing or see their names in record books and wondering where they are now and we can look into that a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, I have a question. Okay. okay. Has everybody in here prepared some notes or stuff about tech yep. players? Got it right in front of me. Yep. I've got two players. Yeah, did you you got the memo right? You were supposed to pick two in in research. Um, have you heard of Carl Malone? <laughs> Great player. Yeah, I got nothing. Wait, wait, was that is that with a K or a C? <laughs> I believe it's with a C. Okay. So Josh is that student that didn't do his homework and shows up to class and tries to BS his way through. Is that what I'm hearing? What's well, a group you are project? Pretty so. much reiterating my college career. I did that. <laughs> I did that in grad school and got away with it. It's never too late for them to take away that degree. No, I never got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Damn. <laughs> Matt Duncan on himself. Self-owned five. I got the most important, so. Yeah, the one from Tech. There right. you go. Yeah. Yee yee. All right, so like like we said, everyone but Josh, I guess, has picked up <laughs> players for us to talk about where they are now or, or where they were or kind of their journey along the way. I feel like I want to start with Evan right now and go with one of his players first, because I think you called the first dibs on the players you wanted to talk about too. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the only thing we did uh, beforehand was we told each other which players we were picking just so that we didn't all end up picking the same people somehow out of all the, you know, thousands of tech players we could choose. My first one is Daniel Porter. Now, does anybody know anything about Daniel Porter before we get started here? No. Uh, I know he was a running back, wasn't he? He holds a couple yes. records or held a yes. couple of records. Yes. Yeah. All I knew is that he was a football player because I Google searched to make sure that someone was covering a football player. Okay. I think he played the last 10 or 12 years, didn't he? Yeah. So his, his senior season was my freshman year at Tech. So yeah. Um, he was indeed a running back from 2006 to 2009. The way I've done this anyway is I'm going to go over his stats at Tech, uh, kind of give everyone an overview since I know probably most people that listen to this show are are newer fans, um, I think. So that was part of the reason we wanted to do this. So Porter went to high school in Baton Rouge, um, where he rushed 204 times for over 2,000 yards and 34 touchdowns as a senior. Um, which put him first team All-State in 4A. And then he was also the offensive MVP of the Baton Rouge All-Metro team. So luckily for Tech, he, he's undersized. He's five foot nine, um, And I don't know how much he weighed in high school, but by the time he was a senior at Tech, he only weighed 190 pounds, which is... <laughs> the I mean, hell? That's, that's wow. pretty heavy for a five foot nine person, right? But like, that, that's the muscle. <laughs> but yeah. 
Josh. <laughs> um, I'm a thick boy. But uh, but yeah, so he, he came to Tech in 2006, which is before any of us on this show did. But his stats in his first two seasons when he was a backup to Patrick Jackson are pretty okay. He, he was the second string running back, so he got in quite a bit. Had uh, about 80 carries in his freshman season and somewhere in the 90s in his sophomore season and totaled about 1,000 yards across those two seasons. So not bad. But then as a junior, that was the first year that he really took over as the starter. And so he led the way rushing for 222 times, 1,164 yards, which a quick trivia question. Does anybody know where that season ranks in all time tech rushing yards per season? Uh, Number two. No, I knowing how the show usually works. I'll guess 69th. (laughs) Lamau. Josh, you got to guess. Number one. No, it, it, that's 10. So he's he's number 10 on that list. And he rushed for nine touchdowns that season. So in the uh, in the 2008 Independence Bowl, which was Tech's first bowl game in quite a while, Porter actually scored Tech's only offensive touchdown. Tech won that game 17 to 10. Can anyone tell me what the other touchdown was in that game? Kickoff return for a touchdown, wasn't it? Yes, it was wow, Philip. Man. Motherfucking Livus, which you yeah. can believe that if you want, Nathan. I don't really care. That, that's his legal middle name, so I think <laughs> yeah. we're allowed to keep it in. I'll have to check. Then they used to call him Saturday Night Livus. I saw yes. that somewhere. Yeah, yes. He's from Bozier, I think. No, he's not. I don't know where he's from. Before but my f- time at Tech, he's very yeah. good. He was very fun to watch, and I have his jersey in my closet right now. He's from Homa. Let me go look at his. Ah, Homa's not even a place. Home, Take me home. So that was a really good uh, junior year reporter. And then as a senior, he had another really great year. He rushed 211 times for 1,132 yards and 11 touchdowns. And so that put his career numbers at 5.5 yards per carry on 614 carries. So that's pretty uh, ridiculous to be rushing at that clip, being the workhorse back for two seasons and still getting five and a half yards per carry. So I honestly don't know why he didn't score more touchdowns in his career, but I could just be jaded by the fact that Kenneth Dixon came shortly after him and, you know, rushed for 71 uh, career touchdowns on the ground. So Porter only ended up with 28 rushing touchdowns in his career, which is less than he had his senior year of high school. So maybe Dooley wasn't using him properly or something. I, I don't know. Well, um, who, who would ever believe that? <laughs> so my favorite thing about Porter is that he has one of my favorite plays in all of football to this day. To set the stage, Tech was playing LSU. Tech was three and six at the time, and LSU was number eight. So this was in November and Tech's trailing 10 to six with two seconds left in the first half. And they've got the ball fourth and goal from the LSU two yard line. So do we kick the field goal? Nah, what, what do we have to lose at that point? And so then this happened. The senior from right here in Baton Rouge. Oh, <laughs> oh, look at that. Josh. <laughs> like he's never seen it before. <laughs> Come on, man. I was caught a little off guard. I remember seeing it and how that I've seen it, but. I'm going to go back. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the quarterback flexes out, pretends he can't hear, which is believable. Porter does the jump pass. Not as quite as good as Derrick Henry. Dontari Poe. <laughs> yeah, but that was, I mean, think of the implications here. Tech is like probably an 800-point underdog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> playing on the road in the most vaunted stadium in the SEC, one of the most vaunted in the entire country. Nothing to play for, and they, that's, it's a ballsy call, and it's an awesome call. It's a great play. 
Yeah. And, and so Porter, who's again, five, nine makes that jump pass throw. Like he's freaking Tim Tebow <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and Dennis Morris there actually led tech. He's a tight end, uh, led tech in receiving, which is, that's just a different time <laughs> there. Cause now we don't even have tight ends on the roster. But, right. Um, one now, but yeah, also, uh, LSU was 24 and a half point favorites in that game. Ooh, is that all? Hand. Yeah, they only scored 24 points in that game. So uh, we referenced this zero. on last week's episode, but uh, we lost 24 to 16 in the end. So yeah, so that's one of my favorite plays of all time because it was just like a really hype moment. And for, you know, until later in the second half, it was like, man, we could actually win this game. So so my, my last thing about his tech career, when he stepped onto Tech's campus, Jason Cooper from, I believe, the early 90s, was Tech's all-time leading rusher with 3,342 yards. When Porter left Tech's campus after the 2009 season, he was the all-time uh, leading rusher. So my question to you guys is, how many yards did Porter surpass Cooper by? Um, 869. Nathan, you got one? I'll keep with the 69 joke. Okay. 420. Josh? <laughs> he passed him by 10 yards so oh wow, wow. same he answer became, as before yeah, he became the new uh leading rusher by 10 yards 3352 which of course was then smashed by kenneth dixon a few years later but um, yeah so now after tech um obviously daniel porter went on to become a hall of fame nfl <laughs> running back right except no he he didn't so Wow, way to shit on Daniel Porter, man. <laughs> <laughs> he, he went undrafted, but he ended up getting invited to the Carolina Panthers as an undrafted free agent. Um, Panthers fans on their message boards kind of had mixed reactions. Some said that they liked his scrappiness and that he played with a lot of heart and kept his feet going till he hit the ground. But uh, most doubted his size and ability to make it on a, onto an already crowded roster which ended up being true it didn't work out in carolina he got cut after otas and it didn't even make it to training camp let alone through it so well look at that man panthers being a garbage organization (laughs) so he turned his attention to the north and went up to canada signed with the edmonton eskimos of the cfl to their practice squad in september of 2010 uh his rookie season up there he rushed 86 times for 603 yards and two touchdowns that's really that's like incredible yeah seven yards <laughs> per carry seven yards per carry. yeah and he earned uh cfl offensive player of the week for his week 16 performance against the british columbia lions he carried 21 times for 170 yards in that game so dude was lighting it up he was also named the eskimos most outstanding rookie in 2010 but then unexpectedly got released halfway through the 2011 season in part due to the CFL's import player rules, which if you remember my uh, post on the Japanese X league at all, these foreign leagues have limits on how many American born players you can have on your team. Right. So an Edmonton newspaper said, quote, at the start of training camp, it would have been difficult to imagine Eskimos running game without, but things changed in the first 10 games of the season. Head coach Cavis Reed said that the other running backs in the room provide us with a lot of flexibility, being that they're Canadians. So like I mentioned, they have a limit. How many players of their 46-man rosters do you guys think could be American? 10, because uh, that's the number of the last two times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty Six. sure. I, I should know the import limit because I've seen exactly four CFL games. Okay. Uh, but uh, I honestly, I don't know. Isn't it like 25? 
It's 20. So oh. you were you were the closest, Matt. Um, so 10 plus 10 this time. <laughs> they, can, they can have 20 American-born players, but only 16 of those can be starters. And the other four are, quote, designated Americans. <laughs> this hell? is an official term, yeah. Which means that they can only replace another American-born player after the game starts, and then that original American-born player is out for the game. So either they're injured or you kind of pull them out like you do in baseball, right? And, yeah. and if you replace your right fielder, your original right fielder is done for for that game, right? Or the designated Americans can play on special teams. So after being released, Porter said, I had a good season, but I still got released. There's no hard feelings with Edmonton. That's just business. So Porter went back to Baton Rouge, where he's originally from. But the following week, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, also known as the Tie Cats of the Canadian Football League, were looking for an American running back to back up their American starter. And Porter having the experience that he had was uh, a perfect fit. So he said he was sitting on his couch in Baton Rouge when the tie cats called. So he immediately packed up and went back to Canada. Despite that experience he had, he only appeared in one game, the final game of the season. He had eight carries for 24 yards and then got released in the following off season. So um, his, his promising start to his CFL career kind of got derailed because he was Canadian apparently. So that kind of sucks, right? It does. Yeah. Um, in 2012, Porter actually went to Tech's Pro Day. So I don't remember that, or I've never remember yeah, hearing about, you know, people who have already graduated coming back to Pro Day to, to try to get another shot. But um, he and Tank Calais, if you guys remember him, you might, you probably don't, but no. um, he was a linebacker for Tech. What a good name. They, yeah, Tank. <laughs> Tank As a linebacker, Calais. especially. Yeah. And Calais, which is a profit a provincial city in northern France. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> unfortunately, that shot um, that he was looking for at the pro day doesn't appear to have happened. So after that, I, I couldn't really find any more information about him other than uh, dubious means. Uh, so let's just say he's working in private industry in Baton Rouge now, and lots of his uh, social media posts are in support of tech and the Bulldogs. So shout out to Daniel Porter, a uh, great Bulldog, you know, had a, had a very short lived Canadian football career and, uh, and now is back home in Louisiana, you know, working, working for the man, I guess. So there you go. All right. Is this where we, is this where we applaud or we can, we can edit in some applause if you'd like. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you got a player to follow that one up with. I do. Since we kind of oversaturated with the CFL there, um, I will save the best for last, you will, um, with my CFL player slash LaTeX player. So for this round, I will uh, be talking about former sociology classmate of mine my senior year, uh, Kenyon McNeil. For those who don't know, Kenyon McNeil, second all-time in three-point scoring for the Bulldogs. And I actually am a primary source on him because whenever we were in the computer lab one day for class in Dr. Melder's uh, sociology class, uh, I asked him what his plans were after graduation because it was our last quarter at Tech. And he said that he uh, didn't really think he would be uh, able to get to the NBA or didn't really have aspirations to go. He had his eyes set on playing, in his own words, wanted to play ball overseas. And uh, he did. He uh, started off, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce this because my Portuguese <laughs> is not very good. <laughs> but the name is UD Olivierinze. Yeah, UD Olivierinze. Let's just call it that. All right. Uh, and uh, played in Portugal for a year and then ended up in Adelaide, uh, Australia, playing for the 36ers. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Known colloquially as the Sixers. 
and my I'm, Sixers. There you go. Let's see what happened in Adelaide in '36. I'm curious. Which '36? Exactly. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> let's not let's not alienate our Australian fan base. He went a over. Year of great promise. There you it go. It looks like Adelaide. It looks like Adelaide was found in '6. So that must be well, why. Right. Well, I, I suppose so. so. But now he goes to Portugal, plays there for a year, ends up in Adelaide, and was interviewed over there, and said that one of the things he liked most about playing in Australia was there wasn't a language barrier as he often found himself struggling to uh, connect with teammates and fans over in Portugal and really enjoyed being back where English was widely spoken, but did say one of the downsides was the ma- massive time difference made it hard to communicate with his daughter at the time. Uh, mm. But he uh, actually played fairly well uh, for the 36ers. They were mildly successful, but despite that, uh, I don't know if you guys kind of keep track of there's a lot of upheaval. It's not, you know, it's not as stable as the NBA by any stretch of nation. So there's a lot of, a lot of roster changes. Uh, it's, it kind of reminds me of like arena football here in the United States. So after being in Australia for a year, he ends up finding himself in, where do you guys think? 10. <laughs> uh, Kansas. I'll, I'll say Italy. Uh, he ends up in Macedonia. Oh, oh that playing... was my second guess to be fair. Just, same. Yeah, yeah. yeah second guess. my favorite type of nut. <laughs> and ends up for KK. What the? <laughs> Damn it, Matt. Nathan. <laughs> so he ends up, ends up in Macedonia playing for KK Kozov. And like other uh, teams he had played for in the past, that tenure only lasted a year. Uh, but before I wrap up with Kenyon, I just want to back up for a second. He played ball in uh, Conway, Arkansas, which I'm not sure if you guys are you might be familiar with conway because of tech playing uca uh in 2010 i believe or 11 i believe it was in overtime (laughs) and barely pulling out a victory with 17 year old nick eisham at quarterback yep uh so had come out of conway and uh when speaking to him in that same computer lab session i remember asking him why he didn't go to ualr and he said the opportunity to play at tech was too great and despite wanting to play for UALR when he was younger, it was too tantalizing and too tempting to go to La Tech, which is why he ended up at Tech. Uh, he did play all four years. Uh, you know, he wasn't, I don't know, he couldn't have really afforded to be a one and done. Love you, Kenyon, but you couldn't. Have. And uh, so fast forward again, kind of going through this up and down over in Europe. After playing one year for KK Kozov at the Macedonian First League, he ends up switching over again to arguably my favorite foreign basketball team name to this point, uh, the and this <laughs> is it better yeah. than the 36ers? Oh, much better. It's uh, the Kangaroos Basket Mechelen. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'll say it again. <laughs> the, the Kangaroos Basket Mechelen. Who, yeah. <laughs> who uh, originally went by the name BBC Kangaroos, which I think we realized quite quickly why that was changed. And uh, ended up going by Kangaroos Basket Mechelen. <laughs> how, how do you spell Michelin. M-E-C-H-E-L-E-N. Yeah. And this was, again, in another foreign league based in Michelin, Belgium. But they are the Kangaroos Basket Michelin, which for all conjugational purposes and language diction, I'm sure that that makes sense in the Bel- – well, there is no Belgian language. They either speak German, French, or uh, Dutch. So anyway, but despite playing for the Kangaroos for two years – uh, from 2017 to 2019, he was let go. Now, this is where things get kind of murky. Playing for a team in Hungary, uh, which also only lasted one year. But as we all know, I don't speak fluent Hungarian uh, and had a hard time trying to read 
uh, about him on their website. They the team was called Corman over in the Hungarian uh, top level of basketball, and he was playing there. But according to a page that I had to translate via Google Translate, uh, was released from his contract July first of twenty nineteen. Uh, however, when I translated it, I got back some interesting results. Uh, one that quarterback Kenyon McNeil was released from his contract. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, that doesn't make very much sense. So then I tried to just use the word that I thought was Hungarian for quarterback, and it didn't match up. So then I translated it on another website, and it said he was their manager, uh, which doesn't really make sense either, seeing Kenyon in a three-piece suit managing a Hungarian team. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not hmm. I'm not I'm not really sure that makes sense either. So I'm gonna go with what my gut thinks, and my gut says that Kenyon was released as a player for Corman team in the Hungarian Pro League. But either way, uh he did have a little bit of a journeyman rap uh in the Eurobasket leagues, and while he never really achieved anything super spectacularly over there, uh he did play about five or six seasons in the top levels over in Europe and uh had a you know uh, it seems like he made something out of his basketball career, albeit briefly. Yeah. But shouts out Kenny McNeil. Uh, I'm, I know that we all lovingly refer to him as uh, Chris Turk from Scrubs. <laughs> uh, do we? Yep. Okay. Yeah, Daniel and Evan do, and I certainly have picked up on Josh that. Josh so. does, yeah. Right. And we, lo- and we love you, Kenyon. You were awesome. You're awesome to watch. Uh, I loved watching you hit three-pointers from the elbow all the time. Three-pointers. Oh, man. Um, Kenyon, wherever you are, we love you. Yeah, I mean, I remember him uh, very fondly, you know, just like you said, nailing threes from the corner. And uh, we would, uh, in Hoop Troop, we would just already be ready to say shock him right when he got the ball from the edge, you know, because it was going in. We all knew yeah, it. Yeah, he, he was definitely lethal out there. All right, Nathan, you got one for us? I do have one. Uh, so far, we've touched on football and basketball, so it should be no surprise that I picked a baseball player. My goal <laughs> was to try to find – we have a very well-established person for football who – like this is the guy who you point out, oh, you went to Tech? Yeah, Terry Bradshaw went there. Or for basketball, that's Carl Malone. And so I really wanted to see who was the closest to that level when it came to a former Tech baseball player. Okay. So I looked up players that played for Tech in the past. The top three that played the most major league games. The first one was Rebel Oaks. Who wrapped up his career in 1915 and would have been pretty hard to find too much information about. Wow. That's awesome. Incredible. Yeah. All right. Next week, deep dive on Rebel Oaks. Let's go. (laughs) Number two was David Segui, Segui, something like that, who was implicated in the Mitchell Report, which was the one about all the baseball players on steroids, uh, which really just meant that he played Uh, baseball in the 1990s. So let's not uh, focus on him too much. But that leaves at number three in terms of most games played, George Stone, who played 209 games from 1967 to 1975. How? Wait, how many Uh, games? 209. This is baseball, so there's 150 each year. Yeah, but but from how many? Hold on, but... How many 1967 years did... to 1975, yeah. nine, okay. nine years. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. David Segui played in 1,456 games Ooh. in 15 years, and Rebel Oaks played in 986 games in seven years. Okay. Gotcha. But George Stone is who I did all the research on. So George of Stone course. I'm going to focus <laughs> on right now. Yeah. George, uh, George Stone actually grew up in North Louisiana. He was born in Ruston, then moved to another town between Ruston and Shreveport. I want you to try to guess which town he moved to. Was it like Arcadia? No, Evan, you got to guess. 
Minden. Nope, it was Doi Line. First of all, it's Doi Lean. I will take your word for it. I had never heard of it I've before. Literally I've, never heard I, of that before in my life. I had I had several friends to Doi Lean High School. It is definitely Doi Lean, Louisiana. Well, whatever it is, George Stone and his family wanted to get out of there as they moved back to Ruston in time for Stone to attend Ruston High. Can't blame them. From there, George Stone earned a basketball scholarship, yes, basketball, to Tech, which makes sense since this is about Tech players. Because although Stone tied the Ruston High record for season wins and batted an average of 444, his basketball talents are what got him recruited by legendary hoops coach Scotty Robertson, who it turns out is a real person and not just the name of the gym. (laughs) I used to call that the Scotty Rob. The Scotty Rob gym? Yeah. Yeah, well, it turns out his sophomore year Stone (laughs) averaged 14 points per game, playing alongside Leon Barmore. That is... To kind of put the, you in reference of when this was. This guy's okay. every, he's like a freaking athlete. Yeah. And then remember, this is about the baseball player, George Stone. And yeah. so he also contributed on the diamond, as you'd expect. In his collegiate career, Stone posted a 1.49 ERA, which is the second best of a tech player ever, and also recorded a perfect game while at tech. Oh, wow. I wonder how many of those we have. Yeah, I, I have no idea to answer your question, Evan, how many there there have been, but exceedingly rare in the major leagues. I can't imagine too many. Right college ball especially nowadays when college ball you end up scoring more runs than major league baseball usually but stone's career at tech especially in baseball got him enough eyes on him to get drafted by the braves in 1966 as a fifth round draft pick which is pretty damn high pretty damn high (laughs) he shot through the minor leagues and made his major league debut the next season in 1967 which is again amazing the following year 1968 he stayed down in the minor leagues to start the year because the braves had quite a few young pitchers in their system uh so he was assigned to the newly created double a team the shreveport braves so while that 318 yeah that team that existed for uh two years before folding (laughs) to start as one of shreveport's many iterations of minor league failures uh it hurts honestly I wish Come I had a on, minor league game to go watch. Yeah. Go so on. while the Braves had home games, Stone would commute back and forth to Ruston to continue taking classes at Tech. So wow. he was still a Tech student technically at this time. That wow. only lasted for a couple months though before Stone was promoted to the Tripway team in Richmond, Virginia. At the time, they were called the Richmond Braves because no one could think of creative names, and every team was every minor league team was just <laughs> named after their major league affiliate. But now that Richmond team is called the Flying Squirrels, which is much better. I agree. Yes. <laughs> So a month after being placed on the team that would eventually become the Flying Squirrels, Stone was back to the majors. That 1968 season was one of his best. He posted a 2.76 ERA, which is incredible for the major leagues, over 75 innings pitch. That's awesome. However, his next few years with the Braves weren't as great. He failed to impress and was eventually traded to the Mets before their 1973 season, which turns out would be kind of a blessing in disguise because that 1973 Mets season was a little magical at the end. With a month left in that season, the Mets looked out of the pennant race altogether at 10 games below 500 uh-huh. with a month left. But a weak division helped the Mets barely win it, three games above 500 with a final record of 82 and 79. So 82 wins, usually you expect 90 or 95 by division. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, and they, barely that's... speaking high. It's like making the playoffs in the NFL with a 7-9 record. That's horrible. Shout out Jeff it's, Fisher. Yeah, famous listener to the show, Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher. <laughs> I guess not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jeff. Go to hell, Jeff. <laughs> so those Mets eventually won the NL pennant after barely limping into the playoffs. They start off ice cold, eventually finish the season pretty hot to get above 500 even, and then continue that momentum forward before following to the A's in the World Series. 
So not in, quite a magical ending, but still, it, winning the NL pennant is no small feat. They went to seven games as well. Yes, and he pitched in the seventh game. Stone did. And Stone was a huge part of Met success even before that. Throughout the year, he was one of the few bright points on that team. He posted an ERA of 2.8, which had come down quite a bit in his previous years on the Braves. And while rating pitchers on how many wins they had is pretty dumb, Stone posted a 12-3 and record, which... Had he that, pitched enough, that would have been the best in the National League. That's damn good. Unfortunately, he could only pitch a couple more years before having to retire from baseball due to shoulder and back problems before he mm. even reached the age of 30. He was seen Oof. as a young up-and-comer, but just injuries knocked him out of the league and kept him from from reaching that Bradshaw <laughs> Carmelin <laughs> status. But you I know, I'm, I mean, these stats I'm reading, 590 strikeouts in eight or nine years is, I mean, that's not bad. That's yeah. not bad at all. He had a few years to live up, and he only had two great years, and the rest were were average at best. And so you never really know which of those would have would have come out the four years of mediocrity or the two years of greatness. But still, made it made his presence known and got almost a huge part at least in getting the Mets to a World Series and their second World Series appearance in their history. Now, due to information that's surprisingly available, he lives in Ruston, and I have his address and local phone number. So. <laughs> Is that something wow. you really want to leave on the podcast? <laughs> so don't call him. Looks like uh, looks like Tech has one other perfect game. Matt Beach in 1984 against Houston. Shout out Matt Beach. Yeah. So that's also on the next episode of this. Where that's I our am. next trivia episode. Yeah. We have exactly. Or wait, no. Now I'm seeing another perfect game. So maybe there's three. I don't know. Guess how many no hitters? Eleven. Uh, ten. Sixty-nine. <laughs> Nine. Yeah, so I know this is where are they now, but I I spent most of that time talking about where he was in the 60s and 70s, but that's what I had on George Stone. Nice. Very nice. But yeah, so this week, one last thing to do, and that's the tweet of the week. This week's tweet of the week goes to, unsurprisingly, I guess since we had him on the show last time, Fake Kusa Network, also known as LaTeX Sports Reports tweet, his April Fools tweeted out exactly at 7 a.m. on April oh, 3rd. Man. Breaking news out of the Conference USA offices in Dallas, Texas. Appalachian State will become the 14th member of Conference USA effective immediately. In the press conference, it says Appalachian State will join the 13 other institutions, most notably leaving off Charlotte. Also Western Kentucky, but that was a mistake. <laughs> but the idea, the joke being that everyone forgets about Charlotte as we established last week. And so we had to add an extra team, and that being Appalachian State, to get to 14. And then everyone remembered that Charlotte exists. Yeah, so then a few hours later, he put out another tweet with the same kind of graphic saying, you know, (laughs) Tech or or CUSA rescinds off to Appalachian State. Conference realized they already had 14 teams. (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. And then there's even like a fake quote from Commissioner Judy in there. Like it's, it's great stuff. Yeah, and those will be linked in the show notes. And we've already retweeted them once, but we could always retweet them again because they were they were pretty great. Yep. All right. So one thing that we set up a voicemail box that you can call in if we have questions or something to talk about or whatever. Yeah, just if you want to tell us anything, you want to hear your voice on a podcast, yeah. <laughs> I guess. This is your way to get on the show. Very open-ended on on what we're expecting. That number to leave a voicemail is 13235-GO-TECH. So that's 1-323-546-8324. But go ahead, leave us a voicemail, questions, ideas, whatever, and we'll see what we do with it. Yeah, and if you want to tweet us questions or email the go-tech, please don't die at gmail.com or whatever if you have longer questions if you don't want to hear your voice then that would work too well 
we're figuring this out as we go along, if you've been able to tell. Yeah, we have a lot of off-season left to cover, so yeah, before, might as well start asking for ideas. Like now. three weeks in, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. Or you can go to our blog where we had our April Fool's post up this week and one other thing from, from a few days ago and hopefully some more in the future. That's at gtpdd.dog. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And, and I'm Josh. Time. Yeah, there we go. Because Josh <laughs> is not here anymore. Yeah, and this is the sound of what would have been Josh. And go tech. Please don't die. Please. Please. Who'd we lose? Josh. Josh. God damn it, Josh. Well, let's wait a second. I can't live without Josh.